This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on Sam and Jeff from Pot Against the Machine to chat about their show, Pathfinder 2E Zombie Rule Set Hope Finder, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your jam and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. And we're back. Steve, I just got to say, you're doing a great job. Yeah? I don't think we've ever in the history of our show had guests so frequently. I'm I, hyped. Listen, I made a dedication to the listening audience at the beginning of this year that, like I said, we're getting some guests on this goddamn show. And we're getting some guests on this goddamn show. That's the second guest. I, th- I think, you know what, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. We do a live zone of truth once a month. We're probably not going to get some guests on for that, which usually just leaves us one, maybe two a month, depending on how the weeks go. So we can probably get 12 guests in this year, probably one a month. That's ambitious. We'll see. That's ambitious, but I'm really hyped this time. Mm-hmm. We finally get to talk about Pathfinder First Edition. It's been a while, hasn't it? a long it? time. Yeah, pretty exciting. A unique take on Pathfinder First Edition. A little bit of a sci-fi flair. Well, you want to introduce him? I think I do. So we got some great guests for everybody this week. If you heard in the intro, our guests this week are from Pot Against the Machine, a podcast running through the Pathfinder first edition, Iron Gods AP, as well as several other exciting adventures on their feed. Welcome to the show, Sam, the Pot Against the Machine GM, and Jeff, the personality behind Asher. Hey, dudes. Hey. Hello. Howdy. Yeah, so glad to have you both. Thank you. Excited to be here. And I just, before it gets too late for it to be even more awkward i did roll a natural 17 on my will save uh so oh yeah he's he's taking initiative okay well we will check back in at the end of the episode to see if you succeeded your will save to make it out of the zone of truth yeah and what what did that adjust out to or do you want to tell me at the end i'll tell you at the end all right cool it's okay steve makes up the dcs on the fly too so well usually i just say people succeeded but you know keep it easy he keeps the dcs to himself (laughs) how you dudes doing Doing pretty well. Everyone else in my house just went bowling without me, so I got a house to myself. That means. Oh no! Did we make you miss bowling? <laughs> no, that's all right. Because I didn't want to go bowling. So. <laughs> nice. Well, this is good. Well, then, I guess you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got out of a bowling obligation. How about you, Jeff? How are you doing? Doing all right. Can I have the kids away at someone else for the weekend? The dogs boarded just doing a little staycation. Ooh saw a waterfall today and then on the way back from the waterfall we saw a billboard for the precious moments chapel what yep let that sink in and uh we had to go you went oh yeah i got news we're scrapping the agenda (laughs) i just want to talk about the precious moment chapel and my first question is what the fuck is that (laughs) so is it what i think it is it's what you think it is and it's worse did you bring pictures you know, I could put them in our Discord chat because I did take several, mostly because I couldn't believe it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think of Precious Moments, first of all, never. But then when I do, I think of it as like a little mall thing. Yeah. And there was a tremendously large gift store. But then you walk through this place and there's all these different areas. And then they have hourly tours of 
the chapel and you have to walk through the grounds past all these cherub children statues and mm-hmm. fountains that were not running. So it made it even weirder. Like there's one that is just a kid that looks like he's hugging or petting a fish that's like the size of him. Oh. And I don't think it running as a fountain would have made it any less weird. Are you sure you weren't just at a mini golf course? <laughs> no, it was much more like a precious moments cult than a mini golf mm-hmm. course. My grandma had the precious moments figures when I was growing up. I think they were precious moments. If not, they were the same thing, just maybe by a different brand or yeah, something. My grandma had Hummels. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> same here. So precious moments, but German. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I always thought they were kind of creepy. Never was really into them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to ask before we move on with the rest of our agenda. You said it was a chapel. Do they observe religious services there? If so, what denomination? (laughs) So I don't know if they actually hold services there, Mm -hmm. but it is very much a some brand of Christianity. Uh, So there's definitely uh, one of the pictures I took on my way out of there was like, are you ready for the return? And it's just like glorious art of Jesus over this like sea of precious moments children. Oh no. Oh, and it's, oh, no. It's like that. That was like the so greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you must share that photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must. My God. I'm going to put it in the chat. <laughs> All right. I can't wait to see it. But in the meantime, while you're doing that, let's go around the horn here. I don't know if everyone's drinking this morning. Uh, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. For us. For us. But I am, so I'm going to share what I'm drinking right away. This is a beer from Trogues Independent Brewing. This is Haze Charmer Dry Hopped Hazy Pale Ale. I haven't tried one of these yet. I'm going to try it right now, see what I think. In the meantime, Griff, what are you sipping on over there? I got a little bit of Woodford Barrel Finish Select Double Oaked. Ooh. And my last sipper of that, and then I got a Montucky Cold Snack waiting in the wings. All right, let's uh, kick it on over to Sam. Sam, you sipping on anything over there? Yeah, I've got a Nine Pin Cider, which is a local cider brewery from Albany. And I get just their original signature series, which is like a very dry for an apple cider, which is definitely what I prefer. They have like 30 flavors now, but it's just like oh, the regular nice. instead of the ones with flowers in them and stuff. <laughs> the the, uh, the super botanical ciders. Yes, the hibiscus cider. I'm like, I... That really does taste like it has a flower in it, and I prefer not to eat flowers. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And Jeff, what are you sipping on today? Here in my hideous laughter koozie, I have a Woo. a Queen City American Lager from local Springfield Great Escape Beer Works, and it's fine. <laughs> okay. Fine's good. We'll take it. <laughs> fine is what we aim for. <laughs> I have an update for the listeners. I did receive the Precious Moments photo. Griffin, have you seen this yet? No. It's way worse than I Yeah, thought. I feel like you understood so the fact that it's a diorama. Holy shit. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That I did not pick up on. I thought it was like a mural or something. It is a diorama of a bunch of Precious Moments children doing their thing. And about there's a to be raptured. About to Jesus. be raptured. Yeah, up yeah. in the clouds. He's not like on the cross or anything. He, it's like, yeah, he's welcoming them home to the afterlife. But Jesus himself is not precious moment-sized, which... No. Yeah, yeah. Or proportioned. Right. Like, they have like the bobblehead look going on, right? And he just looks like regular Jesus. Yeah, I, I joked with my wife, uh, first of all, when we were nervous to kind of pass through the gates to the chapel area, because I'm like, are they going to close behind us? 
And I'm also like, will will we turn into these statues if we stay too long? Like, will we escape? I think you're just writing a horror movie right now. There's so many statues outside the (laughs) chapel. The visitors visitors that stayed past closed. (laughs) All right. Well, one last piece of business before we get into the meat of the programming. Usually up at the top at these, Griff and I, you know, starting in quarantine, we were just talking about stuff that was keeping us sane. And then we just never dropped this segment. But we like to chat about stuff we've been up to the last couple weeks since the last episode of the zone of truth so i think we're just gonna go around the horn here and say you know what's some like i don't know cool movie you've seen lately or cool show good book fun experience uh i'll start with you griff what you been up to man sure you have it on your list but uh we just saw the we came as romans show last night that was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun and we again uh (laughs) bumped into i think his name's maddie local to Columbus mm-hmm. seems to go to all the same shows as us and is also in a band. So we're going to have to see him play it. Hell point. yeah. But I have been working tirelessly on this suit of armor that I need to wear in a week. <laughs> and I got a bunch of stuff from Tandy leather today. I think I spent like another 300 bucks at Tandy, which I'm not proud of and got some stuff to finish up the project. So at this point, Steve and I are probably going to get drunk, watch The Northman and burnish some pieces of my leather tonight. And then I'm going to put it all, I'm going to dye it and put it all together in the next two days, hopefully, and have that done for the Nordic Firefest, which will be a blast. Yeah. Um, I just started back on season two of Record of Ragnarok. This season is starting with a, a bang. It's Hercules versus Jack the Ripper. This show it feels like for, an easy for those, shoe for the, Hercules. Yeah, for, for, those, for those of you that don't know, this show is humans of history versus gods fighting each other in an anime. And we've had such bangers as Adam of Adam and Eve fighting Zeus. We had Hercules fight Lubo. I think he's like he's from maybe like Mongolian mythology or history. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive. And we had Poseidon fight somebody that I don't even remember. But now it's Jack the Ripper and Hercules fighting each other. And there's this whole big hubbub because Hercules is half human. Mm. So are they, you know, is Hercules going to, is he going to like switch teams? Is he going to switch teams? Is he going to go easy on Jack the Ripper? And it's like, are you really going to go easy on Jack the Ripper? Because it's Jack the Ripper. I feel like we're cheering for the wrong guy here. Right, right. But like Jack the Ripper is portrayed as some like, super genius like that he got away with all of these murders and whatever I whether that's the right way to portray Jack the Ripper or not I'm not really sure but he like fights with a giant pair of scissors it's really weird I like that I feel like it's so a the whole show opportunity for like giant seam rippers or something yeah yeah exactly well I didn't he just kill people with a knife like I don't, I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah I believe so I believe so well so, so so he does he makes this whole big deal of like he takes his scissors and you know how some scissors get cleaned like mm. by popping out the middle he does that he like pops out the middle and then he's got like these two blades oh it's like a kill a kill style yeah exactly yeah so that Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, great lineup of stuff you've been into. I'm going to kick it to the pot against the machine boys here. Let's say Jeff, besides checking out creepy chapels and waterfalls, what you've been into, man? My wife and I have been watching the traitors on Peacock. Traitors. It's this absurd reality show. We finished the U S season. Now we're watching the UK one, which came first. 
and it's like, all right, there's, I don't know, 20 people, and it takes place in this castle in Scotland, and it's like, all right, it's almost like it starts off like mafia, because they pick three people, you don't know who the traitors are, but they do all these missions to try and earn money, and it has the kind of, it has that whole reality show, like, oh no, so-and-so's talking on camera, and they're like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so, I think they're a traitor, and every night they vote to banish somebody, and then the traders meet at night and vote to murder somebody. And yeah, so it's this whole thing and it's just over the top dramatic and it's a really easy play game on your phone and laugh at this crazy game Mm -hmm. and what they come up with. Like if you finish this mission of going over lasers to take items like you were robbing a bank vault, then you get this much money. (laughs) 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 It's just like... Eh, play a couple mini games to win while you're playing <laughs> Ultimate Werewolf or whatever. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that's uh, that's really kind of the only show that I've been watching. I'm trying to catch up on Star Trek Discovery, but I'm still in mm. season four, even though season five's out. Slow going, but good I'll stuff, probably- man. Good stuff, Sam. What you been up to? I've been watching a BBC show called The Cleaner. It's cleaner. Uh, it's uh, Greg Davies, who's like a comedian. Basically, he plays a crime scene cleaner. So, like, after the police are done, like, removing the body. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah, he, like, goes in and he cleans it up. But every episode is basically a bottle episode where it's just him and some other comedian or actor in a crime scene. And while he's cleaning up the crime scene, they're just basically having huge arguments, like curb your enthusiasm sort of thing. But (laughs) very English and usually pretty ridiculous. Like, there was one where he was in an author's house and the author had writer's block. And he's cleaning, and every time he makes noise, the author comes out and just abuses him. And it's just like screaming <laughs> at him and making fun of his intelligence. And Greg Davies is like six eight and like two hundred fifty pounds, and this author is like five seven, and he's just like screaming at this giant of a man to be quiet, or he's gonna murder him. And it's all very funny. Yeah, this show's been a lot of fun, but there's only like six of them ever, so I don't know what I'm doing after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, what? Do you remember the show that had like Marshawn Lynch on it? I feel like he'd like oh, that. Oh, the murder. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of the kind, same kind of similar concept. Yeah. It's like, well, similar concept in that it's a murder, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> crime scene thing. But <laughs> but they bring on uh, random uh, actors and don't tell them anything. It's pretty fun. Yeah, mostly just comedians being funny together with a vague premise around them. Yeah, and then like you get Marshawn Lynch, and it's like, how the fuck is this guy so funny? <laughs> like, how is how is his episode like the best episode of the show? He's made a career at it, just being totally dead. <laughs> yeah. He's just here, so he won't it. get fined. <laughs> I wish he'd pulled that on that episode. That would have been hilarious. That's been a, a recurring gag that Heath does in your Redshift Rally games, and every time he pulls it out, it makes me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> it's very funny. No charisma getting interviewed yeah. in every situation. Yep, yeah, I'm just here it. so I don't get fine. That'll do it. As for me, what have I been up to? So I'll provide a little bit more detail on that We Came as a Roman show because it was really exciting. Band that I've listened to since middle of high school, but I haven't seen them play since like 2014 or 2015. The show we saw last night was good. I, it was different than I was expecting. I was expecting to get hit with a lot of nostalgia kind of because of that. 
I think I've mentioned before when I was really getting into their most recent album how they used to have two lead singers and one of them unfortunately very tragically passed away and they weren't sure if they were going to continue and they ended up doing that with the one remaining singer like taking on basically all of the uh, responsibilities of singing both parts and everything. They played virtually their entire new album, which was exciting because I really like their new album. Didn't play anything from their first two, but played a couple things off Tracing Back Roots and Cold Like War and stuff. It was really good. It just it, it didn't hit the way that I thought it would because I was expecting them to do a lot of like throwback stuff, reimagine. But I think it was a, a good move for them. And I, I liked it. It was a really good show. We were up in the balcony, had a great view again. Shout out the venue, King of Clubs, new favorite venue in town, cheap beer. We snuck into uh, good spots yeah. both times, though. We showed up and there was nowhere to stand. Mm-hmm. And then, like, people left after the opener and we were like, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll take your spot in the balcony. But yeah, we locked down a good spot, got some tall boys of beer. Hot as fuck. Yeah, it was really warm. Really warm. I was in a flannel. It was a huge mistake. <laughs> But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was very glad to see them again. And I don't know. I haven't really been doing anything exciting besides that. Just kind of living my life. So uh, let's just move on with the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're in the meat of the episode now. And really, this is an opportunity to chat with these great guests that we got today about all of the cool shit that they're doing. And I'm not sure if everybody listening at home is familiar with Pot Against the Machine. If not, you should be because they're awesome. But I want to kick it now to Sam and Jeff, just to kind of give the listeners who might not be familiar with you folks an overview of what Pot Against the Machine is. Who are you guys? Yeah, we are primarily a Pathfinder first edition actual play doing the Iron Gods Adventure Path from Paizo, which is the, you know, the one with aliens and spaceships and robots. We're all remote and we're all people who basically met through starting a podcast and we wound up gelling really well, which was really cool and um, took a lot of the pressure off of it. And Jeff can elaborate because I'm choosing not to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than occasionally running into each other on Discord, we're essentially all strangers and met through this courageous man from upstate New York saying, I want to do a actual play podcast. If I can expound on that a little bit, how did that happen? Did you like Sam, did you put out a casting call in the discord servers you're in? Did you have any experience playing with any of these folks before? It was just like these four people responded. They all seem kind of cool. We'll give it a shot. Basically, after COVID killed my local group, I had a game Mm -hmm. of Carrion Crown, so I couldn't listen to Hideous Laughter because I was playing Carrion Crown. But then COVID came along and that group just died and I wanted to play. And I was like, I also want to do a podcast. So I did a casting call on a lot of discords and on Reddit and I think like on meetup.com and stuff like and I just cast a pretty wide net and went through a pretty good number of applications and sort of broke stuff down and then talked to people and figured out who seemed to go and then like people did sample recordings and then we we wound up doing like audition games basically and like the game Jeff was in Jeff, Zach, and Jerome were all in it, and they just mm-hmm. had immediate chemistry. And I was like, this is awesome. These these guys are all work together already. Um, and then Izzy was in a different game, but Izzy was awesome, and she got the ridiculously obscure reference in my Reddit username, which got her automatic points. 
actually. <laughs> um, and then just wound up putting them together and then we did some test sessions and it all really gelled. That was it. Sweet. Well, you get started, you get your casting call, you got your session zeros, you find your crew. Why Iron Gods? What about that AP made it special? Why did you want to do that one? Well, Iron Gods is, as I said, it's the one with spaceships and aliens mixed into your standard Galarian, which as a kid, you know, I grew up with like Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 and like Xenogears and Final Fantasy 7 and all these games where you're in a basically medieval setting, but you know, there's just that one guy that has a machine gun or, (laughs) you know, there's helicopters for some reason with all these dragons and stuff. And that aesthetic and that sort of combination has always struck me as really cool. And then you also have like, there's a thousand Pathfinder podcasts out there, but how many of them have a character with a chainsaw? (laughs) So good point. You know, that, It's a lot of fun to play with this entire system of mechanics that doesn't come up anywhere else in the material, basically. All right, so we'll get into the setting a little bit more in a moment because I think the setting for this particular AP is fascinating. But the Iron Gods Adventure Path specifically, can you give me a little bit of an overview of like, what's the point of the AP? What's the hook? What's the call to adventure? Like, sure, it's sci-fi mixed in, you know, peanut butter and chocolate style with your fantasy. Yeah, you're not uh, adventuring to level 18 to get a chainsaw, right? That's right. not the, the big bad isn't handing out chainsaws. Like, for lack of a better term, what's going on in this AP? Yeah, I'll uh, give Sam a break for a sec. Yeah, we, you know, we, we find whoever, for whatever reason, adventurers, whether they're local to the town of Torch in Numeria or they're not, and they just happen to be in the right place at the right or wrong time uh mm-hmm. the namesake of torch this purple super hot fire light that comes out of a mountain that looks like a volcano uh that they can melt sky metal with goes out and the town's like you know concerned this is our livelihood and etc so we need some brave adventurers to find out what happened and please could you turn that back on Please go into the mountain, find the fuse box. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we lost the diagrams. We don't know which fuse it is, so just try them all. Just flick them all. We'll see. We'll see which other mountains turn off. And I love it. All right. So you mentioned Torch. You mentioned that it's this town that is on or near a mountain or hill that's got a big purple flume that comes out of it that's utilized by the town to melt sky metal. But this all takes place in Numeria, this uh, strange country in Galarian. It's certainly unique, but can you tell us a little bit more about that setting and like what makes it special? Just curious, because it is weird and I think it's worth calling out how weird it is. Numeria is kind of a wasteland. Like the farmland here is there is terrible. There's acid rain that is literally acid that will hurt you if you're outside during it. And the countryside is littered with machines and pieces of spaceships and stuff, stuff that fell in the rain of stars 9,000 years ago, which is a thing of legend in Galarian that, you know, stuff came down from the sky a thousand years after the giant meteor came down from the sky that everybody already knows about but there's all these artifacts like buried at various depths and in various places that the Kelids, who are the native people of the area 
have a long history of like stumbling upon something that then explodes and irradiates five square miles and kills off a thousand people. So they have this long history of like, don't go near these machines. The machines are bad. But then you also have like these people from various other parts of the world who have come specifically for the technology and who've built up like civilizations and built up these cities. And the center point of that is the Technic League, which is this group of wizards who basically like their whole thing is they want to control all the technology and um, use it to gain power and become like, you know, a bunch of high tech RoboCop Jatembe's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That fucking rocks. Yeah, Mechanic Jatembe. <laughs> That'd be a great Pathfinder movie, Jatembe versus Becca Jatembe. Yeah, I was watching Kong versus Godzilla a couple nights ago. Becca Godzilla showed up and I was like, whoa, okay, Uh-oh. we're going Uh-oh. there. Yeah, with yeah. that, you know, orc license, maybe we can find a way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking now like that hit Be Kind Rewind where mm-hmm. all of the video cassettes get wiped and so they have to... They go and like, we'll just film Robocop in our garage. Yeah. It's like, now we're going to get Jatembe versus Mega Jatembe. <laughs> it's going to be a love letter to all kaiju. <laughs> be kind, rewind, Pathfinder edition. That's, that's a six book AP that's taking you to 20. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go mythic if you've got Mecha Jatembe involved. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I think you got to have Mecha Mythic levels in there. That rocks. <laughs> We'll need Corey's help, but... Yeah, if anyone can do it, she can do it. All right, so we've got this sci-fi setting in a fantasy world. Let's talk about your show a little bit more now. So the setting is very unique within the Pathfinder world. This AP is unique among Pathfinder APs in that it plays in that setting and leans into some of those sci-fi concepts a little bit more or just straight up more than any other AP. So... I think there may, and I'm not saying that there is, but there may be a little bit of a barrier to entry here. If you're coming in for like a a knights versus dragon, high fantasy type adventure in Pathfinder. So I want to set the record straight here. Are non-sci-fi lovers going to enjoy this show? Does it got got something for the fantasy lovers here too? I mean, I think so. Absolutely. So it's funny. Paizo likes to do this and you'll think, oh yeah, this is... Hey, Carrion Crown, I should specialize in fighting zombies or ghosts. Mm-hmm. But then you might only encounter them for like one book. Yeah. Like, God dang, you, you really fooled me. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, I won't spoil anything, but this is not exclusively like we are always fighting robots and or aliens. So there's definitely stuff I think that would appeal to the more fantasy purists. And plus yeah. it, it even, you know, the and I won't spoil anything either for the first book of your adventure, but it's like. For anyone that likes the kind of mystery and information gathering stage of an AP, like you have to do that still (laughs) to turn the lights back on, right? You have to, you know, that's kind of a integral part of low level adventuring. I think that happens that isn't going to be missed in this adventure either, isn't missed in your show, you know? So I would hesitate to ever put people off of a Paizo adventure because of the main premise of the adventure. 100%, I think they're all yeah. really fun to listen to, especially when you get the rules changes and stuff for the technological stuff that's just kind of like the cherry on top, right? That's not necessarily replacing the fantasy stuff. It's just 
making it more Conan and cool or whatever. Yeah, it, right? it's definitely like still primarily a fantasy setting, and you have all your like your dungeon dives and your urban sort of investigation and like working through the politics of a town or whatever, and you still have like maybe undead or weird monsters out in the countryside and dragons and stuff. It's just like kind of you also have this technology stuff added onto it or like don't want to get too spoilery, but if you like Mad Max, (laughs) there's some pretty hard Mad Max Max reference in there in addition to like your Thundar the Barbarian stuff. That's so cool. Such a smart move by them to instead of leaning 110% into this is going to be our sci-fi IP, get in some like, yeah, like some road warrior shit in there. That's cool. I love that. Well, I think a lot of that's Numeria as a setting too, which is if you're going to explore the sci-fi of it, you got to explore both sides. You got to get some of the Kellid stuff in there, some of the influence of technology on these people that are not technological. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I think, you know, even further in the AP than you guys are, that's stuff that gets explored. I would ask just, we have a lot of listeners that are maybe, you know, society players or are LFG online and that kind of thing. You guys are very unique as a group and a table dynamic in that in the way that you were formed and the way you gelled very quickly and the way that you made it, you know, from the get-go, your show is fantastic. Nobody's going into listening to your show thinking that you guys didn't know each other a month prior, you know? So I I was certainly surprised. I thought you guys were all friends ahead of time. Like I learned on this call, basically, (laughs) you did casting calls. So I would ask for our listeners that are looking for a game online with strangers or that are playing in society games, what strategies did you guys do to gel? What made the game work to the point where it almost feels like you're a longstanding group of friends at the beginning? Because I, you know, I just think that kind of chemistry is very rare. And, you know, maybe part of it is the casting call piece of it, but I think it's a little bit more than that. I think, you know, there's there's got to be some kind of strategy involved when you go into an undertaking like that. So something I think that Sam did especially well in the planning of this before we started, we didn't just do a session zero and talk about our characters, but he came up with three one shots, one level one, one level three and one level five, if I'm remembering correctly. So we got to play those together to also try and get in the, okay, do we know how to record? So that kind of helped ease a little bit of our nerves going into it. But it gave us a chance to kind of experience what we were all thinking of our characters at the beginning and also kind of a, a unique glimpse at where we think we might take them a few levels later. And do I think this is going to work? Oh, no, it turns out we all died at level three uh so <laughs> we hit sam tpk'd us uh, it was really great sam? yep uh the oh my god the second time we ever played as a group i tpk'd everybody pretty hard <laughs> and jeff you and the rest of them came back <laughs> yeah yeah we uh we were a little i think we were all kind of shell-shocked but also it made us determined to have our level five characters not die mm-hmm. you know at least not all of us I mean, but you'd yeah. be surprised. They're the B squad. A squad TPK'd all three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it made me completely rebuild my character. Seeing like, well, based on what everyone else is bringing to the table, I think I needed to do things a little differently if we're going to live past level one or two. And that kind of helped us, at least to help me, sit, feel more confident mm-hmm. going into things. Like, all right, we kind of know that 
you know, we could get TPK'd if Sam wants us to. If he's just fed up with us enough, he'll just nuke us. But we persevered at level five and we can do this. And yeah, it was fun. And the level five group got a shot at that same encounter. Mm -hmm. The very loose structure of these things was like, basically they died and had to fight their way back out of Abaddon, I want to say. And we love an Abaddon arc. (laughs) And the demon lord that they ran into, like sent them back to life in the spot where they died. And then they're level five and they rejoined the encounter that had just killed them. And they got to wipe the floor with all the enemies that killed them. Well, that's kind of fun. You get your redemption arc there a little bit. Get your vengeance. I've got a couple more questions that I want to move through quickly about your show and what's on your feed. Because we still want to talk about Hopefinder. And we got a ton of listener questions. Folks want to know things about you guys and from you. So I want to get to as many of those as we can. So in the spirit of doing that, I want to run through these next couple talking points kind of quick. I'm going to pull out one here. This is directed at you, Sam. Sam, you're the GM. You're running the show. How would you describe how you run the show? What's your GM style? I don't know what my GM style is. It's just, it's just. Kind <laughs> I can ask Jeff the same I mean, question. He can have him describe you. I've tried to kind of bite on the style of a lot of the GMs that I like to listen to because I listen to an enormous pile of podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Griffin is awesome with pacing, especially when it's delivering, a, setting a scene. And he's just very slowly revealing the information and sort of escalating and escalating. So I've tried to bite on that style a little bit. Thank you, sir. And then we had like um, Adam from Strange Table Fellows. Like he always used to start the episodes with like a little vignette or they'd start them with like uh, building the world out and making it bigger. And I I totally copied that idea. So (laughs) I just tried to sort of patch together a GM style based on the styles that I see and I like. And then, you know, just doing a mediocre job copying everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have much uh, GM experience before the show? I know you said you were a player in Carrying Crown. Um, I didn't have a ton of GM experience in Pathfinder. I had played like back in high school and college a lot more uh, freeform and some D&D 3 and stuff. But Pathfinder, I got bit by the bug a little ways before we started with the show and I ran a few scenarios, ran some modules and stuff, and then jumped into this. So not a ton of GM experience specifically with this game, but in general, fair amount. Sweet. All right, let's talk a little bit about Pot Against the Machine Party Comp. As of like episode one, because these are TTRPGs, things can happen. But if somebody turns on the show today or tomorrow, who's playing? Who's playing what? Jeff, you're playing somebody. Let's start with you. I am. I play Asher, who certainly looks human and is a gunslinger and looks human. Yeah, he certainly looks human. Okay, that's a way to describe somebody. Thank you. Yeah, just a regular (laughs) human gunslinger. Exactly. (laughs) We have not here for Zone of Truth. Zach plays Brixby, who is a rat folk rogue. Uh, we have Izzy, who plays a half-orc blood rager, who is like a teenager, and it is phenomenal. And Jero plays our most elderly character, a very ancient Khaled, who, no, he, he loves it. He, he gets really upset when we say that, so it's a good time. 
<laughs> but he is um, he is the oldest character in the group. Not the tallest, but the oldest. And uh, yeah, he's a Kellid Magus, but not your normal kind. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Y'all just celebrated a big milestone. Congratulations on episode 100. Hell yeah. Well done. I personally haven't listened. I haven't gotten that far, but I will. But I know what episode 100 is, and it's very cool, very clever. I don't want you to spoil anything, and I'm sure you don't want to spoil anything for anybody uh, as well. But I thought it was cool and might be worth bringing up what you guys did, if that's something you guys are comfortable talking about. Because it is really cool, and I thought it was clever, and I I want to talk about it. Yeah, so, I mean, what we did for episode 100 was we dropped Pathfinder. We're like, that game's old. And <laughs> we jumped on the Starfinder train to do, um, you know, lean into that sci-fi a little bit harder. Do, like, a prequel. Because as we mentioned earlier, describing the setting, there's the reign of stars 9,000 years ago where spaceships came crashing down. So why not go dive into the back matter a little bit and see what was going on on those spaceships. So you are in this very unique setting that's essentially built around spaceships crashing down almost 10,000 years ago. And you're like, what was going down on those spaceships? Let's play it out and like do that. I thought that was so freaking clever. I thought that was really cool. Thanks. If ever there was an AP to tie in Starfinder, I think this is the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah kudos for that idea. That was fantastic. Yeah, very clever. And then finally, besides Starfinder for episode 100, you guys have some non-Pathfinder related content on your feed as well that people could check out. Do you guys want to let people know what else they can come to you guys for? Yeah, one of the things that we wanted to do when we had a Patreon goal was to do a few times a year uh, we call it a one shot but it's you know three or four episodes at least, of other things. So, I mean, I ran Pathfinder 2E, Sundered Waves, Jiro. Uh, we, we were only halfway through, uh, in part because we just really role-played for a long time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, The Call of Cthulhu, One Shot, and yeah, it's that's one of the things we do. Yeah, I think... Sam. <laughs> we also have, like, a zone of truth of our own, kind of called machine learning where we do a little bit of a recap of the show and then we usually have a little bit of a skit or a commercial like in-world commercial kind of thing in the middle of the episode and then we do some q a and stuff with the listener questions which is fun we're we're pretty far behind on those but we got <laughs> we got one that just came out and um more to come hell yeah that gives me an idea griff we should do commercials commercials yeah well we could uh, well, seems I like feel like we work. advertise we advertise seltzers enough on here. Yeah, too much work. I mean, that's yeah, not too commercial. <laughs> yeah, but I, for one, would love to hear Horace have a chatter commercial. It's been too long. It has been a while. <laughs> I'm still recovering my vocal cords from Horace in book four. So fair enough. <laughs> you know, uh, I actually have a question. I know we don't really have it on the sheet, but when you guys started this show, I think second edition was out. What? drew you guys back to first edition and you know i know two is the new hotness right we all know that but like it's really good to see some actual new shows in the one e space so i just i kind of wanted to get your take on running a one e podcast how you feel like one e flows for a podcast and how you've been enjoying it but first and foremost just what the decision process was on system 
I know for me, there's so many 1E adventure paths, and Iron Gods is one of the two that I would have jumped on. Reign of Winter is the other one. But when we started, because we started, man, we over two years ago when we were actually planning. So 2E, there just wasn't nearly as much content. And for me, that was a big deterrent. Not because there wasn't a ton of adventure paths, but one of the things I enjoy about 1E is there are so many archetypes and classes and weird races and this is a lot of choice that I felt 2E wasn't there yet. Now, of course, they've added a whole ton more and it's great, but I feel like five years from now, we'll probably see far fewer 1E podcasts because there's going to be mm-hmm. tons and tons of 2E, but yeah. not then. I feel like 2E is really getting there now with like all the new classes and new ancestries that have come out in the last year or two. You can build almost anything you want with like free archetypes and stuff, but... I still have a soft spot in my heart forever for how just absolutely buck wild you can get in Pathfinder First Edition. <laughs> and I know Amen, I'm, brother. <laughs> I know I'm gonna regret it later on when we're level fifteen or whatever. And no spoilers, but in a recent episode of someone on this show did eighty damage in a single hit at Well level we talk. Oh uh, level eight. Okay. So I like how unreasonable you can get some of the times and how stuff can just be absolutely absurd. You know, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is definitely not broken in that same way. And it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world that in Pathfinder 1E you can absolutely break the game. But it's fun in its own way. And I think that's a contract of 1E, though. It's like, hey, if you don't want to start an arms race with me... Don't break the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't bring me your uh, your bullshit divination wizard that always gets to time stop and do the. You stay okay. I'll stay okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a there's a cold war when you're prepping a Pathfinder game. It's like <laughs> if you're if you're the GM and someone hands in their character sheet and they're like synthesis summoner or some shit. You're like, okay, well now I'm gonna pull some shit too because I can't. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Because are you over for you know, you want to do this? Right. <laughs> 2e, even in high level play, you're almost never going to see somebody able to attack more than four times, and that's like a monk with flurry or a ranger with haunted shot, in part because of map, but it's just how 2e is built. And then in 1e, you put haste on somebody, and they, they can rapid a ranger can rapid shot four times at like level seven or eight. Yeah, you just got to get somebody to polymorph Brixby into an octopus, and then it's bad times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get eight attacks. If you're flanking, you get eight sneak attacks. <laughs> <laughs> Yowch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hurts. To your question, though, Griff, about pacing and, and how we think they work on a, on a podcast level, I think some of the intentionality and balance and the action economy makes 2E flow just kind of more consistently. In 1E, it's easier to get bogged down in the math and ways to make all the broken stuff actually possible to where, you know, it depends on the listener. Some people really enjoy getting down in the mechanics of it, and some people just want to keep things moving. And I think 2E keeps moving a little bit easier. But I felt the same thing when we're running between Bestow Curse and Hideous Laughter. Now that Hideous Laughter has gotten to higher level at, at 14, it very much feels like I can still be surprised in the moment in first edition. And I have been a first edition GM for seven years, mm-hmm. you know, 
like, I can still be surprised and call bullshit on something and be told that's not bullshit. That's how this works. <laughs> Multiple times in the past, in book six, has that happened. And in, in my experience with second edition, that does not happen. Now, I like those moments because I think I think the, the when I call bullshit and it's not bullshit moments make for good radio. So I, you know, but less good for game balance. <laughs> less good for game balance. I, I think it's very funny that you bring up, you know, both the difference in pacing and also just the, you know, right when you guys started this show, I could not get my group to play second edition. So nobody wanted to play a second edition. Everybody was diehard first edition because of the same things you're calling out because of the, the lack of character options. They didn't feel like there was enough there. It's just really funny how I think at that point in time, everybody that was a first edition fan, us included, were very much in the, I get everything I want (laughs) (laughs) out of of this edition and more, and I can break the game where I don't have to. So in my experience running both, I think they both work well for a podcast. I think you just have to have a listener that enjoys listening to Crunch because you're going to hear it on either. You're going to hear it in either system. Yeah. Second edition sounds a bit more prescriptive to me i think when you run it for a show it's very much like i take my first action i do this i take my section second action i do this i take my third action i do this that's my turn yeah i think when you break it down action wise like that you need to get over the breaking it down into actions and more i, I think every, in first edition it's much easier to describe what you're doing because you're not broken into actions like that yeah um, and part of that i think is the vocabulary of the game where it's just like you've don't necessarily have these seven years or whatever of just keeping track of, you know, my standard action, my move action, my swift action, whatever else I've got. So, I mean, you're mentally saying like, that's my first action. That's my second Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. And like, since it's so built into the structure of the game, it it just is more natural to announce it in that way in 2E, which is something that might fade over time, like collectively in the world. Yeah, it's definitely out there. And in a lot of the two E shows I listen to, ours included, it's like, okay, you know, I can see your whole turn because you're telling me every part of your turn, and I'm not confused what happened because I got one, two, and three right in front of me. All right, boys, let's change gears for a moment here. Let's talk about Hope Finder. What the hell is Hope Finder? Do we want to talk about why we're talking about Hope Finder first? Well, yeah, I had that in there. Let's, let's start with that. <laughs> let's start with why we're talking about Hope Finder. I'm going to kick that to Sam, and then we'll talk about what it actually is. So Hope Finder, the reason we're talking about it, I think, is because by now it'll be in the past, but right now it's in the future as we record. We played with Jason Bowman, the inventor of Pathfinder 2nd Edition and the uh, man behind Hope Finder, which is a hack of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, where you strip out the magic, you strip out the classes, everything's much lower power, and you're playing in the real world or an approximation of the real world 10 years into the zombie apocalypse. So it's a lot of fun, and he's debuting it for Third Party Con, which is um, this big Paizoverse like support of the third party creators and all the stuff they publish on Pathfinder Infinite and Drive Through RPG and stuff. But he's also kickstarting a, a physical version of the game for the probably only ever print run he's going to do he says and we got to play it with him we did two hours for third party con and then 
two or two and a half hours that'll come out afterwards to see the conclusion of our adventure at the Pinecrest Mall. I keep wanting to say Twin Pines, but that's back to the future. <laughs> Not quite back to the future, <laughs> but yeah, the Pinecrest Mall. That is cool as hell. And I think you kind of hit on a couple of the questions I had here. So this is built off the Pathfinder chassis. And did I hear you correctly saying that there's not like classes or ancestries or stuff anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of that normal sort of class level progression, you can really customize your character based on their background. And then he came up with something really cool. Uh, to kind of help players drive the narrative and reveal maybe what life was like before the apocalypse and during the apocalypse before now, the the goal kind of in his design was more or less every session, each player will have an opportunity to have a flashback and say, you know, did I ever tell you about the time? This reminds me that I did this. And through that discovery, you actually gain feats. Ooh. And oh, so, like, like mid-session? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Ooh, okay. And they're on trivial feats. <laughs> they're some of the best yes. stuff you get. So is it kind of feat-based system like Tui is, where feats are kind of the bread and butter of your character build? Yeah, I think so. That's a fair way of describing it. You know, you pick your background, and there's a bunch of backgrounds. It's more or less what you're doing now after the fall of humanity, but then you also can pick your role as far as what you were doing beforehand. And each role gives you access to, you know, a few different feet trees, essentially. And yeah, it's really cool. So I think I also heard an answer to a separate question that I had here, because this is a hack of Pathfinder 2E, but is like very zombie focused. Did I hear correctly in that this is not set on Galarian? This is not part of any official or unofficial Pathfinder lore or anything. Is this like on our world then? I mean, it can take place wherever you want. The Mm -hmm. built-in setting that Jason made is Seattle because he lives in Seattle. So he said, like, our characters live in the Free Ballard Zone, which is like a neighborhood somewhere around where he lives in Seattle. And like they uh, built all a like encampment there. And there's all these people that survived there. And there's all like he said, you don't want to go to Pike Place Market because it got nuked or something. They put pushed all the zombies down there and nuked it. Um, (laughs) I might be conflating two things there, but it's all like, you know, 10 years into the apocalypse, the government's totally failed. The zombies have taken out eight ninths of the population of the world kind of thing. Do you guys feel like you could build yourselves in the system? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's another zombie system that I had looked at that you could like, you kind of build yourself. Hmm. And it was like, as the apocalypse happened, it wasn't like a Pathfinder hack. I'd have to look and see uh, what the system actually was. I think it was one of the free league games, but um, that's such a cool concept for a game. <laughs> you that's were all just like, good, we're going to be us. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam mentioned that it's low power. So the danger feels as real to your characters as it would for like, if I was after the zombie apocalypse, like I'm not going to take a bunch of hits from a zombie. Right. Oh, so is it intended to be something that you'd like, play on a Friday night and then maybe play again like later on. I guess my question is, is it geared more towards like a one shot? Uh, we killed zombies and got overrun. And that was a fun night of like drinking and hanging out with bud stuff. Or is it geared more towards like the traditional pathfinder? You have like a module or an AP that might take you five years to get through. I don't think probably five years worth of AP, mm-hmm. but it's definitely built 
where you can do the one shot like we did, where everybody got a flashback, everybody got that advancement. Or you can do it where you have, like, say, five sets of flashbacks. I think that's what's built into the character sheet is, like, five flashbacks, five new feats, and you can progress up to level five. And I I think that's about where it gets capped. Uh, You can get a healthy little campaign with that. Yeah, this is kind of cool as hell. All right, we do have a ton of listener questions. We're going to get to them in just a moment here. But I have two final questions. One, what did you guys play? Like, I don't know if there's anything special about your feet tree or the way you statted your character. And then two, is there any way for our listeners to hear that? I don't know if it's recorded and went up on an RSS feed by now or you can find it on YouTube or something. So what'd you play? Where can people find it if they're interested? Or can people find it if they're interested? I don't know if it's just a <laughs> we may not know yet. It's, yeah, going, it's, going, it's yeah. going live in... A weekend, right? Next week, I think so. Or this yeah. weekend, yeah. Right? The weekend before this release is it live right now? Oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it's going live tomorrow, uh, but that'll be a week ago when this releases. But it will be afterwards. I'm not sure if Third Party Con is going to keep all their stuff up on Roll for Combat's YouTube channel. I know Jason mm-hmm. Bowman is going to put the video for part one and part two up on his YouTube site, and he might be linking to it from his Kickstarter. And then we're going to have the audio version up on our page, probably by the time this airs, I think we'll probably have part one out and then a week later, part two, something. I don't know that we necessarily planned it that specifically, but Mm -hmm. it'll be up soon in audio format. (laughs) All right. What'd you play? And then we'll move on to questions. Uh, Well, I played a sneak. So that's one of the backgrounds you can be a stealthy kind of character. Um, and my character was a basically was a kid when the world came to an end. He was nine, ten years old and has grown up in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And there's a lot of mechanics based on being a kid. You have more hope, which is the hero point equivalent than um, adults because, you know, you're used to this world. It's all you ever knew. Yeah. And I played a scrounger who basically gets the forage feet and kind of more trying to find the best things you can in the wasteland won't reveal beyond that like the flashback side of things but uh we also had a sort of another big a big guy older who's like an older dude and then we had cab driver from brooklyn basically sounded like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love that i just have one more on this before we go yeah go for it man before we go to questions and that is How'd you guys enjoy getting run through a game by Jason Bowman? I mean, that's got to be hype as hell, right? <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm nervous uh, about it. Even though he's not my but... boss, it feels like your boss's boss is running you through a game. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. I mean, he was super laid back. He was upfront about it, how much or little playtesting had actually happened. He was glad that, you know, he was able to find a group of people willing to play this system that not not a lot of people have had exposure to. and Yeah, and I think this is the first actual play of it that's been published, is what he was saying. And um, so that's pretty cool. And, you know, just the fact that we hung out with Jason Bowman, who is, you know, the inventor of Pathfinder and the publisher of this game uh, for seven, eight hours on a weekend. Yeah. (laughs) That was pretty cool. That is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 
All right, boys. Well, I think it is that time. It's time for some listener questions. I can't guarantee we're going to hit them all because we're about an hour in at this point. But let's get a good spread of them. So from Crow T, this is a serious question for Sam. Which one of your players has the driest sense of humor? I think that is an impossible question. (laughs) If you've listened to our podcast, we're very much the dry, deadpan kind of delivery uh, across the board. I mean, I would say Jeff and... I mean, Jeff's probably the driest sense of humor, just delivering these, saying these absolutely absurd things with a totally straight face. Asher's whole thing at, at the very beginning was just, a, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but Asher has a lot of super ridiculous lines that Jeff delivers just totally deadpan and it's glorious. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love that. Asher is great. Uh, we've got some questions here from Newt of the 100 Tomatoes. He wants to know how many cats do you have, Sam? Uh, I have exactly cats. Um, wow, that's a number. Yeah, that was one huh. of the, the realest numbers. <laughs> I can cat to that. Wow, you can. Uh, he's also asking what our ABCs and heritage would be if we were a Pathfinder 2E character. So I I guess I'll hop in here quick. The list of backgrounds in Pathfinder 2nd Edition is stupid. I mean, in a good way. You could just pull any background in the world. There's so many, though, that I think that's probably the hardest for me. Ancestry and heritage. I'm a bad boy. I'm a a tiefling kitsune, of course. You're going to mix the two of those, huh? Hell yeah. Let the fur fly. Background for my B of my ABC... Christ, I don't know. I don't feel like I do anything particularly special in real life that like corresponds to a background. I work behind a keyboard. Like, I don't know. I'll just steal Vex and be blessed one. Um, (laughs) And then class. Ooh, that's tough. Maybe I'm a, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a sorcerer. I don't know why. I just am. No, fuck it. I'm an Oracle. All right, Griff, you're up. Oh boy. All right. I am a who uh, we're doing the new ability score generation method. Sure. <laughs> you don't have to min max this question. I'm min maxing the question do- is what I'm saying. We're, we're doing the new ability. Sure. Score generation sure. Method. We're doing that. That's what we're doing. I am a strong blooded dwarf. Yeah. Redeemer of Balumdar. Yep. Um, <laughs> Checks out. With like the I don't know, animal tamer background. No, you got plenty of pets. Jeff, what you got? So I think probably a Tengu. Hmm, uh, Birdman. Right. Yeah, I think like so. That. I yeah. think the kind of resourcefulness, gregariousness, kind of works for me. Never unarmed. I can always bite people. You know, it's a good mm-hmm. thing. Class wise, I, I know I'm skipping B because I'm scrolling. B's the sleeper yeah, tough, B's one. tough one. It's yeah, tough one. yeah. I feel like inventor. Oh, even as a kid, I you know, I would try to invent goofy things like covering an umbrella and Christmas lights so you could see under your bed. Which inventor, weapon armor or companion? Uh, yeah, that is tough. You had to get specific. I did. I did. dwarf. I would say probably armor, <laughs> even though it's not the strongest. Be more right. into, if I had to be in an adventure, I would need to preserve myself. Not a uh, bad choice. 
I mean, well, you know, thematically. That's what I would do. Yeah. I'm maxing out my defense. Yeah. And, like, background? I don't know. Man, like, real life, I don't have a lot going for me in ability scores. So I'm like, I'm not going to be doing anything that's strength or dex or charisma focus. So that really, and or con. So I'm looking at int or whiz. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. We'll go with insert here. <laughs> insert background here. Well, you can edit it in later. Blessed one. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably something really cool like bookkeeper. Bookkeeper's hey, a good one, hey. That's a good one. Librarian. All right. Sorry, and uh, Sam, what you got for us? Um, I think I'm going to go pretty thematic here as far as ancestry goes and go with an artisan android. Um, Ooh. And then, you know, because I make stuff and there is some speculation amongst the Discord folks that I may actually be a machine. But I'm going to play against that because for background, I'm going to go for anti-tech activist because I am anti-tech activist. because I am a person that has started a podcast that is specifically opposed to machines. Oh, that is a good point. Self-hating, Android. <laughs> There's a lot of internal conflict there. I feel like that's a rich vein for backstory. And as far as class goes, I'm going to go druid um, because Let's as mentioned, I am. <laughs> cats in my house and i also have dogs and fish and but there's a lot of animal and plant stuff going on in this situation known mushroom enthusiast and murder house in the woods inhabitor sam <laughs> there you go all right i think we're gonna do two more and i'm gonna pick some of the fun ones here this first one comes from 10 Lawn Gnomes, our buddy Eric. If you were a robot, how would you plug in? Sam, how you plugging in? I am not a Mac. I would have to go with the USB-C. Mm. Okay. USB-C, that's a good choice. Jeff? <laughs> so here I thought he's asking like where your charging port be. Oh. That's also like, how I took the question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> USB-C everywhere. Just all USB-C. Just oops, all ports. <laughs> Wireless charging. <laughs> he he is just a hub of ports. Wireless charging uh, you is heard probably the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my immediate thought was, I guess I'm, I guess I'll plug into my belly button. It just kind of feels natural. Uh, I didn't think about that. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I guess if I'm, if I am a robot, I'm not worried about sleeping standing up. I'd just be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Probably, I mean, I, I would have to have a like a one of the three prong, but the like the two ten volt like appliance chargers for sure. Like you're plugging in a washing machine right into my like plugging that right in my belly button. I like that, <laughs> Griff. I think you know I have a MagSafe dick, and uh, if you want to take a screenshot, all you have to do is squeeze my nuts together. Okay, and my answer is that I really like in sci-fi when something is like plugged in, suspended from something. Like if you think like, I don't know, like it's similar to like GLaDOS from Portal, how she's like a big robot creature that's like suspended down from the ceiling. So I want something to like plug into my spine and then I'm like hanging from a ceiling. I think that would be kind of cool. It'd be really bad for the cords. I mean, it would be, but it would be looking good and that's the only thing I value is looking good that's why I picked MagSafe Dick 
You know, I I was gonna make a a joke like that, and I was like, no, I'll take the high road for this question. <laughs> and I Wait. damn near spit my water all over my laptop. <laughs> I was like, nope. Gonna give him a real answer. Give him a real one. Comes in hard. In more ways than one. Last question here. Lord Deathquake, what texture is the worst food-wise? I'll start this one off. I hate something that's dry and fuzzy, like a skin of a peach or like a kiwi or something. When you get that and you're not really expecting it, whoa, does that set you back? Kick it to Jeff. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority, and Johnny of 25 North, if you're listening, please still consider me a friend. I just don't like popcorn. Uh, mm. I don't like how it gets like caught in my throat. I feel like it's stuck in my teeth. I get something that you think you should just chomp on, but then it's like, which parts linger, which parts don't? And it's like, mm, it's not a fan. I don't agree with you, but I've heard that from a few different people and I recognize it. I see you. Like, I understand why you have the answer you do. It is weird. And parts of eating, uh, uh, more than a few parts of eating popcorn are just absolutely unpleasant. But I do like it. Yeah, I mean, if you get one stuck, it's game over. Yeah, you're having a rough night at that point. Yeah. Sam. So I think you gave a very good answer with the fuzziness, especially unexpected fuzziness is just mm -hmm. horrifying and i think i would go with like something that is chewy to the point where you can't actually like finish the chew Ugh. like something that just sticks together no matter what you do that's horrifying for me i do have to jump in and say unexpected fuzziness was my nickname in college <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's not one you want to have <laughs> no Bad yeah. mouthfeel. <laughs> Youch. <laughs> All right, uh, Griff, bring us home. I think anything that has a um, squeak when you bite it, I don't like. Mm. Uh, so that can sometimes be popcorn. Depending on the popcorn, I've had popcorn that kind of like squeaks on your molars, but uh, more often than not, it's something that's like really smooth against really smooth. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on the squeaky cheese curds? Is that a good squeak or does that fall under the umbrella here? I think squeaky cheese curds are supposed to squeak in a different way. Mm -hmm. I don't make it like my business to eat cheese curds that aren't fucking fried to hell. Mm -hmm. So I've never experienced it. Mm. If it does squeak on your teeth, I just don't like things that squeak on your teeth. You know, I asked that question. I, I really, I just know that some cheese curds do squeak. I don't yeah, know how no, I've heard, I've heard that yeah. means they're good, but if they squeak on your teeth, I, I probably like them less. I'd also recommend not eating dog toys, my guy. Like, well, yeah, I, don't I do mean, that either. That's impossible though, because sometimes they look like other things, and you know how I am about eating things that look like delicious food. I'll just do it. Like, yeah, I think that some of the squeak comes from like candle squeak when you eat them against your teeth. Well, it's a very specific thing, <laughs> you know, and like so, other shaped fruit because you're not expecting it. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's fruit shaped like a cube or something, you're like, oh no, it's Hitting my teeth wrong. Yeah, bad times. Exactly. It, it misaligns. It gets misaligned against the teeth there. Yeah, uh, wrong shaped fruit can throw off a whole one shot, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but at this point, we're just going to take a couple moments before we get out of here. And we're doing a little wrap up in housekeeping. So, guys, 
listen to Pot Against the Machine, one of the best groups out there. A fantastic show. It's so fun. I can't recommend it enough. But besides their normal feed, check them out on Patreon. Flip them a couple bucks on Ko-Fi. Sam, Jeff, is there anything else you want to plug or where people can find you on socials or anything? We're on Twitter and Twitch at Pod versus Machine and almost everything else at Pod Against the Machine because, you know, it's got to be complicated and have different mm-hmm. names in different places. But yeah, if you want to hit us up on one of our crowdfunding sites or on our slowest website in the history of the world, we are <laughs> working on uh, some new goals to release uh, short fiction in audio format on Patreon and stuff, which I'm pretty excited about. Hell yeah. Well, as for us, I don't think we have any big things coming up, but if you are going to be attending our next Live Zone of Truth or Drunken Discordly, Drunken Discordly is going to be Saturday, March 4th, and that's 9 p.m. Eastern. And then Live Zone of Truth is going to be Saturday, March the 11th. We usually have those at 4 o'clock Eastern. It's at this time that I'd like to say... Jeff, Sam, and Griff, you all made it out of the zone of truth. Congratulations. You succeeded your will save. Well, wait, well actually, was, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, what was the. You got that 17. What that come out to? Yeah, so that's my issue. Is I have a, a negative one to my wisdom, so I hope uh-huh. a sixteen passes. Well, I got sixteen. A, I got a gr- I got great news for you. The DC was six, and we're playing by second edition rules, so you beat that by ten. So that failure is a success. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, absolute pleasure hanging out with you guys today thank you both so much for coming on the show everybody listening check these guys out they're some of the best in the biz and Griff is there anything you want to say to listeners at home before we get out of here well I would specifically say those of you that are disappointed in any way that our main show in a few short months is moving to second edition this is your opportunity jump ship now (laughs) well to listen to to listen to a show that is going to be first edition for some time and a new story and you know, one of the most fun first edition adventure paths. So I would very, very highly recommend uh, if you still love listening to first edition, it's not to say that we're never going to do first edition again, but there's a whole adventure out there over a hundred episodes. Now you should go listen to it. And also you should finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.